Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. Our guest today is Andrew Cordell. Andrew is an acclaimed author and international speaker with over $350 million sold from stage alone. You may know him better as the CEO of Money Is, a show where he hosts today's leaders and influencers in authentic business conversations about money. He has interviewed hundreds of experts, including masters of the industry like Kevin O'Leary, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Grant Cardone. Andrew also contributes as a partner in a billion-dollar enterprise with 23 current companies. Passionate about the benefits of mentorship in business, he founded Power Room, a CEO mastermind where today's top thought leaders combine forces to help teach entrepreneurs how to achieve success. Andrew Cordell shares all about the money, and he wants entrepreneurs to be about the money too. They need to know how money works. They need to know how to use it for their benefit. He talks about how most entrepreneurs are playing the wrong game and they think they can achieve wealth. Wealth is a money game and it can't be won if you're focused on just being great at your craft. Andrew, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the show today. I'm so excited. I know that I'm going to learn a ton and so I know the audience is going to learn a ton. So do you go by Andrew or AC? Uh, both of them. I, I go by uh, C, Andrew, AC, and Drew. As long as you don't call me Andy, we're all good. <laughs> Fair enough. So obviously you've been an entrepreneur since college days. Let's yeah. let's just start, you know, why you decided to start your own business in college and, and kind of where that led. Yeah, uh, great question. So a little background, I'm 39 right now. I started my first, you know, I'll say real company. I actually did some stuff in grade school and so forth, but real company uh, when I was uh, 19 is my sophomore year in college. And I always say, man, entrepreneur, I didn't choose entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship chose me. And um, I think that, you know, I've obviously done a ton of interviews and, and with high level entrepreneurs and CEOs. And I, I loved asking the question for years of, uh, do you think you're born an entrepreneur or can an entrepreneur be created? And uh, I think the answer is uh, a both. Uh, but I think that uh, uh, when you're born an entrepreneur, uh, it's a it's a superpower and a kryptonite at the same time. And I was born an entrepreneur and I love every minute of it. But you have to learn how to control that, you know, because like I said, it, when you're born an entrepreneur, you have another idea every 33 seconds of what you could go do. Um, and when you're young, getting started as an entrepreneur, if you don't know how to throttle that, it can actually bury you. Your Your superpower can actually bury you. But as you grow and get bigger in business and have more staff, more team, more network, you can actually then exceed in your superpower uh, because you have the ability to expand and, and do more and open more companies um, that are there. So, uh, uh, But I started when I was 19 years old as an entrepreneur, man, or entrepreneurship chose me, I should say. <laughs> nice. So let's talk a little bit about what you did. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a quick story. I, was, uh, I got my first job my freshman year at UPS. Uh, and I was just throwing boxes after college. I went to day, day, daytime college. And then after in the evenings, I would go to UPS and just, you know, for five hours, throw boxes. And it was my, actually my really my first job as well that I had um, uh, uh, when I was 18. 
my dad worked worked me like a mule growing up, but I was it was for him basically. It wasn't for like a company, you know. And so it was really my kind of my first job, and and I got it, and I was thinking it was it did not take me long to realize. Uh, me doing the same thing over and over again is not going to be a good career path uh, for me. Uh, and so that I finished out my freshman year and uh, I came back my sophomore year and I didn't know what to do, but I got it again. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to it. I got a, they gave me a pay raise and they gave me a new position, you know, and you're, you're 19. That's a big deal. And it was no more than two months into it of me coming back from summer break that just absolute misery set in, but I had no money. And crazy story, man. Here's what I'm getting to it. I was in a Walmart as a college kid, no money whatsoever. And I, I uh, was trying to kill some time. And I had a, a can of Pringles and a Mountain Dew. And that was like my lunch, right? I mean, we had no money back. I had no money. And I, I came I walking down the aisle, magazine aisle at Walmart. And there was a magazine there called Small Business Opportunities. I picked up that magazine, trying to kill some time and sat on the floor because I couldn't afford the magazine and the Mountain Dew and Pringles. And I read this, this, uh, as I flipped through it, I was, I was kind of reading it. I had to go and I had to choose Pringles and, McD- and Mount Dew or this magazine. And I chose the magazine and short, long story short, I couldn't buy anything in that magazine, all the franchises and so forth. But I came across a little thing called a window cleaner. And it was an ad from some guy uh, trying to post a window cleaning uh, franchise. And I thought, man, I, I think I could clean windows. Like that doesn't seem very difficult. I mean, my other choices was like a subway and a, you know, restaurants, which you needed half a million dollars. And I had $5 and no, no kidding, man. Uh, the next day, me and my uh, roommate, uh, he had to go get a pair of glasses at an eye shop and we're sitting in this uh, eye shop, me and him. And there was a girl there that, that was helping him and, and she was kind of cute. And I just blurted out to her. We're kind of flirting with her. And I just blurted out and said, Hey, who cleans your windows here? And she said, Oh, she said, uh, uh, actually, our window cleaner um, just moved away last week. Are you a window cleaner? And I was like, at that moment, you had, I had to make a decision <laughs> of what I was. And uh, very quickly, I said, of course, yes, I clean windows. And she said, great. And uh, she said, hey, uh, how much would you charge? And I had no, I did not know if it was $20, $2 or 5 I had no clue. Uh, and uh, quick on my feet, I said, well, I'll tell you what, to be fair, um, what did the other guy charge? And I'll just match that price for you. And she said, well, it was, it was $15. I said, all right, it's $15. And, um, and she said, well, we have six other store locations. Can you do all six? I said, well, of course I can. And, uh, that's how I started my entrepreneurship career right there. I built that company in college to over a million dollars a year in revenue. Uh, and we got into pressure washing and cleaning vinyl hoods at restaurants. And I had all the Arby's McDonald's, Red Robins, all kinds of, and I ended up a million dollars a year and I sold it when I left college. I split it up in three ways and sold it uh, when I left college. So that's how I, that was my first entrepreneurship journey right there. Running out of a, off of a Blackberry in my dorm room uh, on a bunk bed. Well, that's fantastic. Obviously that experience just sets you up for so much, you know, uh, creating relationships, obviously sales, you know, kind of cool to get your first sale, get six locations in one shot is yeah. is like all right this is what i need to do more of <laughs> yeah go figure this out and, and yeah. i went on that journey man so we built it and, and then uh, same way is it how i got into pressure washing was i was cleaning arby's and the district manager came by and this was like three months into me starting my company and he said hey uh, uh on your flyer i you know i printed from you know this is early 2000s we printed it right on for my computer in, in at the at my dorm room little half 
five by seven flyers and your one pages and cut them in half, you know, and we had passed those out. And he said, Hey man, on your, on your, he brought it out to me. And he said, on your flyer, it says that you uh, power wash. And he said, I need to get all my buildings power washed. And he said, can you do that? I didn't even have a part. I didn't even know that we put it on there. Um, <laughs> and so I, again, I said, well, of course we, of course we power wash. And uh, I went and rented a power washer from a home Depot and did a store. So, you know, part of entrepreneurship is, um, for sure is, is the ability to um, that you're willing to take risk. You have to, as an entrepreneur, be willing to, to, to take risk. Every business I start, you know, like I said, we, me and my partners here have 23 different companies and every single one of them is, is full of risk. Um, but from the very first one in window cleaning, it was full of risk, right? Uh, that's part of being an entrepreneur. And uh, that's where I always say that when you're born an entrepreneur, I think is uniquely enough, um, that, act, that part is, seems to be a little bit easier for other um, entrepreneurs because you're born an entrepreneur, I'm willing to go to zero. Like I've went to zero. I have lost everything and I got right back into entrepreneurship. And when I lost everything in 08, my mom uh, and dad are both school teachers and both of them were begging me. Uh, I have my degree in education and both of them were begging me just to go get a, let them get me a job at the school and uh, be a teacher and coach and I couldn't, there was nothing in me. I would be selling myself short, you know? So even when I lost everything, went to zero, I went right back into business, uh, you know, uh, two months later. Yeah. So, so obviously between college and after selling your window washing business, you got into yeah. real estate and that's what crashed in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did you become the Phoenix that rose from your real estate ashes? <laughs> you know, um, in, in entrepreneurship, whether it be real estate, whether it be, you know, uh, I'm, in, I'm doing an NFT platform right now and um, all kinds of different stuff. But no matter what it is inside of, you know, being an entrepreneurship, um, it's part of the it's part of the uh, process is going through failures. And and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, on my show, I've interviewed hundreds of massively successful entrepreneurs. Every single one of them has had failures. Um, and it's okay. Failing is not, failing is not a bad thing. Um, failing, if you understand it can be an extremely, um, um, positive way. And this sounds weird, but hear me out in that obviously I don't ever want to fail, but when I fail, I, I have a mindset and a viewpoint of it. When I failed at whatever this thing was, uh, that it could be that in that failure is where I can expedite, um, my, learning process my growth process is inside of a failure if you don't if you when you fail it puts you in a unique position that you can either um expedite growth because you're so vulnerable you're so open you're so real with where you're at right now that if you get to that point it allows you to grow at a very and learn at a very high rate of speed of what you just went through when you never have those failures uh you can still learn but it's a more drawn out process and it could be years and years of learning um, but through a failure, you can expedite a learning process uh, because it's real to you. You can learn from a book. You can learn from a teacher teaching you. But there's no greater teacher in the world than um, failing and learning through that failure of what you can be done. So as an entrepreneur, I said earlier that part of being an entrepreneur is willing to take risk. But also part of an entrepreneur is with those risks comes failure sometimes. But in those failures, the silver lining is you got to think about what you're getting pressed, uh, uh, pressed down and, and uh, multiplied on top of through that failure. If you look at it that way, again, that goes into mindset. A lot of people right there, as you know, um, 
uh, that's where they quit at too, right? Um, when they have that failure, that's where the, the quitting stops or the uh, quitting starts at. Uh, and for me, failure has been a, a growth a growth spot for me. Well, I think I think there's two areas that entrepreneurs have to to shift that mindset that are very similar. And I think failure is is one, and and it's a learning opportunity. And I think conflict is is another that that we look at typically negatively, but if you view conflict in a in a way that this is an opportunity to to learn and grow and you know take our relationship to another level or blow it up. Which you know, which which sometimes happens, but I think those two things culturally have a, a negative stigma, but they can mm-hmm. be very positive if you if you allow them to be, and that's a that requires the mindset of I'm pushing through to the other side. Yeah, I mean that that first let me go back to your point of conflict. That was a very long, long journey that I had to go down. Of uh, I hate conflict. I'm a people person. And I, I want to make people happy. I want to make my team happy. And um, a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs are like this. That's just kind of our DNA of who we are. And um, conflict, even today, it still is a difficult thing uh, when you talk about conflict of relationships and conflict of staff and conflict of even your partner, um, business and uh, personal partner. You know, um, um, conflict has that negative stimulus you're talking about. But inside of it, if you can just have the crucial conversation, uh, which is a great book. Um, it enables you to um, expect the growth again. Uh, it's amazing that through the through the trial, through the conflict, through the journey, through the process, through the failure, is expedited growth if you go into that with that manner. Mm, absolutely. All right. So now you've turned a corner. Um, you thought real estate was the vehicle, um, but really you you made a you made a whole different shift that you're no longer focused on on the vehicle. Can, can we talk about that? Obviously, money is your game, and and yeah. and you you believe that entrepreneurs need to have a different mindset about money. Yeah, for sure. Because th- and this really uh, hit me after truly um, after I had some money, um, I wasn't where I was at yet, and I started uh, teaching a lot and teaching and teaching. And as I was watching the the room and understanding the psychology of people, and and they were people that were all trying to get started in entrepreneurship or real estate investing. And, and, and uh, I had the unique ability to do it for, or opportunity to do it for years and years and years by an insane amount of time and hour on stages. Um, probably some of the, the more hours in the, in that time frame than in the uh, majority of all speakers in the world out there. And while doing it, if again, because I'm a, I'm a constant learner um, constantly and uh while teaching, I'm sitting there learning and, and watching people, understanding what do they do and why do they do this. And it's when I really came up with a concept that probably has helped me the most, which is I think entrepreneurs get confused on what they're really looking for and go back to negative connotation of conflict and, and failure. There's a massive negative connotation on money. Hmm. And entrepreneurs, if you stop and think about it and you want to just get as real as you can, the reason that entrepreneurs are willing to take this risk, the willing, the real, the reason they're willing to quit their job and go out here and do this thing, they're willing to, they're willing to put all their money up and and be willing to lose it all for the opportunity to succeed. Okay, if we really get down to why, why are they doing it? Well, one answer that you're going to really come up with, if you're honest, is money. I don't mean money in a greedy way. That's not what I'm meaning at all. But but we're afraid to say that we're in business for money. We're afraid to have the conversation about money. 
And the reason that you're risking it all is so that you can make more money. That is the very reason of why you're doing what you're doing is because you are trying to make money. Now, inside of that, what lessons I learned from it was that real estate or business or crypto or uh, e-commerce or uh, owning a franchise is not the actual game. That is nothing more than the vehicle. That's a vehicle that you chose uh, to use to get you from point A to point B as an entrepreneur. I'm not saying one, one vehicle is better than the other or right or wrong, but there's many, many vehicles that everybody can choose. What happens though is if you don't understand that the, the game is not the vehicle, the game is actually money. That's why you're using these vehicles. And so because of the psychology of understanding when people are, are going through this, when their focus is on um, the vehicle, they can know everything there is to know about the vehicle. They can tell you how it works, how it operates, how this real estate deal transaction happens, how you have to talk to this person, how this works. They can tell you everything there is about that transaction uh, inside of it. But just because they know everything about the vehicle, the vehicle sees one more thing. It needs gas. Gasoline for that vehicle is money. And what happens is they can know everything about a, 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 a business or a vehicle, but nothing about money. This is why you'll find entrepreneurs that are 10 years into entrepreneurship and still are broke. They actually still live paycheck by paycheck. It's just sale to a sale or customer to a customer, but they're still absolutely in a rat race broke. They feel a little bit different because they, it maybe comes in chunks sometimes and they can take some vacations. They have a little bit more freedom, but I can make the argument as entrepreneurs, we have less freedom. I work more hours. I spend more time, not, not nine to five. I spend five to nine um, working. So, Understanding that what happens is entrepreneurs get stuck focusing on the wrong thing. And this doesn't apply to just the entrepreneurship to, to give you a, a, maybe a clear parallel to your listeners. Um, think about it from a doctor. I can tell you how many doctors I've met with that are experts at their field. I mean, they are great at what they do, but they're horrible with money. Horrible with money. I, dentist, great at a dentist. Horrible with money. Okay. Why? It's the same concept. They focused on the vehicle of how to be a great dentist. How do I be a great doctor? And they, they became great at that. But what they really wanted to be great at was actually money. That's what they actually wanted to be great at, but they never took the time to learn money. They never took the time to learn the rules or the, the game or the game pieces of money. Instead, they, they uh, focused on the vehicle, dentist, doctor, business, entrepreneurship, uh, uh, real estate, crypto, all those things. And so for me, the massive shift was when I said, wait a second, the truth of the matter is when I go into my inner, inner core, the reason I wanted to do all this stuff is because I'm, I'm I, I want to make money. Now, again, not in a greedy way, but I want to make money because I want to make a difference. Now, this is why this is how the whole money is show. The show that I do was birth um, was was going on this journey, because what I realized in the room was that as I was teaching was that. People did not actually know why they wanted money. Not only did they not know that the money was the game, they actually couldn't tell you why they actually really truthfully, deeply, internally wanted to risk it all to go make money. They well, would say the challenge is that they they've been taught their whole life not to talk about money <laughs> and, that, and that money's, you know, money's just the reward, right? So money's the, the prize you get for your productivity. So yep. the prize you get for being a good doctor is, is the money. And so the better doctor you are, the more that you supposedly would get, but there's a, there's a limit it's, at that and where their focus goes, their energy flows, right? Is, Dude, I used to say the class all the time. Where your focus goes, your energy will flow. And if your focus is on how to be a investor real estate, that's where your energy is going to flow. If your focus is on how to do e-commerce, that's where your energy flows. What's not flowing to is 
But how does actually money work? Because those are not the same things. You could be great at e-commerce and horrible at money. You'd be great at real estate, horrible at money. Those are not the same things. Mm, so you nailed good. it, man. It, it, so, it's very, very true. So that's where the, the my whole show is birthed from, which is my show is called Money Is Blank. And every guest that comes on, um, you know, I interview high, high-level CEOs, uh, successful entrepreneurs, and they answer the question and I have a big sign that they have to sign it and they, they fill the, the blank in. Money is blank. And they had to put an answer there. And what, what I'm really trying to get to in that show was, but why do you want money? I know, I know it's first we have to acknowledge that the reason I'm doing this is because I do want money, but I don't want it in a greedy way. So why do you really want it though? And, and casually people will say, well, I want it for financial freedom. Okay, but what does that actually mean? Like, like what do you mean financial freedom? Define what you mean when you say financial freedom. And what you'll find is most of the time, what I have found throughout my career is that people want money for one of three things, the three Fs, what I call it. They want it for family, they want it for their faith, or they want it for foundations. That's why they want money. They want to help their family. They want to help their faith accomplish whatever their faith is trying to accomplish, or they want to help a charity or foundation accomplish what it's, it's, it's accomplished. Majority of all people are not greedy. It's not why we're in business is to be greedy. But as you know, being entrepreneur uh, leadership and coach like you are, when, when entrepreneurship is hard enough and will come with enough um, pushbacks and, 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 and up, up straight uphill climbs you have to do, when you don't know why you're climbing up this hill with no rope and no <laughs> all risk, and you don't know why you're actually doing it, you, you'll find reasons to quit. But when you know what the North Star is, when you know when you're, what you're really, really about, why you actually want, first you got to say it out loud. It's hard for people to say, I want money. It's amazing. It's hard for people to say it. Well, if, you won't, even, if you won't even consciously say it, and I can get into the subconscious brain and the conscious brain, which is my favorite topics out there. But if you won't even say it, your body is never going to produce it because you have never said. And go back to what you said earlier, a lot of us growing up is that money was negative and money was a, a, a negative topic and you can't talk about it. And and uh, money is the root of all evil and all these things that we, we, we money doesn't grow on trees. All these different things that we grew up with, that is programming our subconscious brain and it manifests exactly what you're telling it to manifest. You're the one that keeps saying that money's bad. You're the one that won't even say that I want money. Therefore, how could your mind, body, spirit produce what you're actually wanting? It can't. It won't. It can't. And, and what's ridiculous is if they had a job, they want, oh, yeah, I want I want that 50 cent raise. I want that dollar raise. I I want, yeah, I want sure. more, you know, and of course the universe says, well, you know, there's a penny on the sidewalk. There's your more. Yeah. Because yeah. we're right. not willing to say, I, I want this right. Financial freedom, you know, means $7,500 a month. My wife quits her job. Financial freedom is $32,000 a month. And we support the things that we want to support. You know, yeah. financial freedom is a hundred thousand dollars a month. And, and they fight back saying, Oh, I, I've never made that in a year. How could I make yep. that in a month? And yeah. well, first, that's the first reason you won't do it because you refuse to believe that you can do it. I mean, you can't, you can't do something if you don't believe that you can go do it. I mean, what are you, this doesn't even make logical sense what people are doing as an entrepreneur when they, when they say exactly what you said of that. Well, I've never made that in a, in a year. There's no way I can make it in a month. Okay. I agree with you. you, you with can. that attitude, you will not do it. I do agree with what you're saying to make the hundred thousand dollars a month. Understand it is doable. People are already doing it. You're not, you're not Lewis and Clark pioneering a new path that no one's gone down. This has already taken place and it's currently taking place with people all around you. You're the one that says you can't do it. It's not the, it's not the economy. It's not the country. It's not other humans. It's just you, you. The I love Wallace, Wallace D. Waddles. 
says it if somebody in your neighborhood's doing it if somebody in your town is doing it if somebody's doing it with whatever you're doing it with if they're window washing and doing it then there's no reason that that you can't do it and so it's 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 not likely the vehicle right you any vehicle there's tons of vehicles you choose pick like pick pick your vehicle uh, you, you can choose to do when you want. People do it all around you. You know, we live in the greatest country that freaking is on the face of the planet with more opportunity than we could possibly imagine. We're, we're breaking into a, a new world right now of industries of meta, metaverse and, and, and uh, uh, NFTs and, and crypto. It's a wild, wild west of a new world that's being birthed in front of you. And meanwhile, you, you're you the one walking around saying you, you can't make money. I don't, you, 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 I'm going to get hot, man. I'm not all right. Even, all right, like, let's let's settle, let's settle back down. Let's so <laughs> well, you have a similar religion background. Grew up in the church. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, parents grew up, you know, just uh, working, you know, working for a living, saving maybe sure. for their retirement. You know, the, the the typical, you know, American story, right? Mm-hmm. And that's and that was success, right? You, you worked twenty eight years and you set aside just enough to to not have to, you know not have to get borrow from your kids when you're an adult. (laughs) But let's talk about that, that transition from the mindset that the the church had planted, your parents had planted Mm -hmm. to this, to this new view of this new understanding of money. Yeah. I would tell you is for me, it was probably one of the most difficult things that I went through. Um, I was blessed and fortunate and still fortunate. Uh, my, my, I grew up in a, a family. My mom and dad were married the whole time. They're still married this day. Uh, extremely loving family, extremely caring family. Um, and uh, we, didn't have, we didn't have money, but it was, uh, we, we had a full of uh, some of the greatest things in life that you have. Inside of it um, came with the um, basic, as they were helping me as much as they could. Uh, I have three younger sisters as well. I'm the oldest of four. They were trying their best uh, to help us with all the knowledge that they had. And if you look at, as I look back, if you look at where my mom and dad came from, meaning their parents, I think that they might have had a bigger jump per ratio than actually I did for my parents. I mean, wow. where they grew up was even a totally different concept and, and how they grew up was totally different um, and, and from that family lifestyle. But they helped me as much as I can. What happens though is, you, you, when you look at entrepreneurship, you look at wealthy people. One thing I would tell you is that wealthy people do not take financial advice from unwealthy people. That, that is a fact. You can take that to the bank, my friend. Wealthy people do not take advice from unwealthy people. However, when we're growing up, we're born in this environment of an unwealthy person who has not mastered the, the art of money, has not understood money, does not know how it all works, is truthfully, without being mean or rude, is failing at the game of money. And they're the ones who are teaching us the rules of money. And because we don't know any better, that's what's programmed in us, that that's what we're supposed to go do. And that's what we go and do. When that happens, it's hard to uh, reprogram what you've been taught. I mean, again, going to subconscious to conscious, reprogramming your mind is, is extremely difficult uh, uh, process. Um, it takes dedication and want to go do it. But when you go do it, it's like unlocking Pandora's box of opportunity uh, for you. Because I grew up in a very uh, loving, caring, tight, tight family, um, it was very difficult for me to forsake that um, gift of what they gave me. And I call it a gift because to them, again, they weren't trying to hurt me. They gave me the very best they had of knowledge. And 90% of all the knowledge that 
my, my mom and dad have given me, I've used and it's worked on that one. It, it wasn't. And I had to go, if you think about this, I had to basically go against my own family and my own family, my own father's advice. I had to go against that advice. And, um, it was extremely, extremely difficult and honest to God, the only way, um, that I think for me, okay, this is, this is me personally. The only way that I finally was able to justify it to my parents that I was right. Okay. Cause to this day, they're, they're, they're not entrepreneurs. The only way that I was able to justify to my head that I was right when it came to money after um, kind of forsaking and changing my mindset was uh, several years ago, um, I retired my mom and dad um, from, from teaching. And I paid uh, my mom and dad's house off. I bought them new cars. Um, I paid their bills. I gave them uh, a monthly um, stipend, if you will. Uh, and uh, my, my dad just this year turned 62. Um, and, and for all these years, my mom and dad, my mom is 57, I think it is 58. Um, uh, my mom and dad, uh, are not retired. They're not of age to retire yet, but have been retired for a very long time, um, because of the choices that I made. And when I was able to go retire my mom and dad, it was, for me, it was, it was the mental justification that I was like, okay, I, I was right. Now I already knew that I had more money. I already knew that like, I already knew that I, had more stuff and I had more, you know, I could see that my answers was right, but that's the one that probably pushed with the edge that said full speed ahead, man. No full, full speed. Now, because I, I, I justified. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're dropping so much great information. So you mentioned they don't know how money works. So sure. Let's, People. let's, let's talk about how money works. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to wealth, uh, understand that money is a game. And in the easy way I can describe this is um, for illustration is uh, just like we can take a, a sporting game or we can take a board game. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but if we're all going to play a game and, and the game is Monopoly, OK, uh, Monopoly has rules to it. Monopoly has a way you play the game and everybody that's playing the game is playing by that by that set of rules. OK, so we're going to roll the dice. We're going to do this. We're going to get these spaces. You can buy this. You can sell this, whatever it is. I go to jail. Uh, okay, so we're all going to play by this set of rules because this is the rules that Monopoly uh, – the rules is what makes Monopoly Monopoly. Inside of that process, if you sat down, and, and let's just say that there were six of us playing, and we have played a 100 times, and we love the game, and you have never played a game in your life, and you're playing against us, and we're not, no one teaches you the rules. Matter of fact, we'll teach you the opposite of the rules. <laughs> the likelihood of you succeeding in beating us at that game is not, is not likely you're not going to probably beat any of the six people that game. Uh, you're actually doing the exact opposite of what the six people are doing that are winning are doing because they told, they told you to do the opposite of what they're doing. Um, I, you could do a, a sporting event, right? You, you, you play baseball and, and uh, if you, you uh, uh, in baseball, there's rules, right? And if you don't understand the rules of baseball and you go try to play baseball and you're not playing by the rules, uh, you're not going to win that game. Not only that, here's another point that people miss out on is that, not only will you not win at the game, the people that are winning at the game won't actually want to play with you anymore because you're messing right. the game for, for them. When, if you think about it, and if we were all playing Monopoly, and then someone came and sat down and never played, and we're like, okay, it's your turn, roll the dice. And they're like, no, 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 I'm not going to roll the dice. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to move my piece to where I want it to go, and then I'm just going to buy that. You're like, what? Well, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to go, I'm going to skip the jail thing. I'm just going to go to go, and I'm going to collect my money now. If you when you start making up your own rules for the game, you understand that people that are playing it the right way do not want to play with you. 
Because what would happen if <clears throat> all of us just are making up our own rules? There'd be chaos and no one actually win at the game because we're all just doing whatever we want. <clears throat> Baseball, same thing, right? You, you go up to the batter's box and you're hitting and you're like, well, uh, instead of me striking out, uh, I'm just going to go take pick this ball up and I'm going to throw it over the, the fence so that way I can, I can have a home run. Yeah, that's not how the game is played. And no one's going to want to play baseball with you if every time you get the ball, you want to throw it to the fence. So money's the same way. When you don't know the rules of money, as you're playing, and not only are you going to lose, what also going to happen is those who are winning do not want to play with you. Therefore, it's going to be very hard to even learn and grow with money because the ones that have money don't want to be around you. So understanding the rules of the game is extremely important. That's, that's the first thing to understand. If I could break it down into simple three rules, if you will, I'd give you three rules. Uh, and underneath it, there's many subpoints. But the three basic rules of money are simple. You have to understand how to create money. You have to understand how to keep money. And you have to understand how to protect money. Now, I'm fortunate and I hang out with and am friends with very, very, very wealthy people. And any of those people that I talk to, I guarantee you all three, all of them know how to do those three things. They know how to create money. They know how to keep their money and know how to protect their money. When you talk to the average person in America that's working a job or trying to start entrepreneurship uh, or even is doing some entrepreneurship, they've been there for nine years. If I sat down with them one on one and said, hey, tell me how you keep all your money. Tell me how you protect all your money. You would find that there'd be a lot of him and halls and, well, you know, I, I, you know, my, 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 my thing, my CPA. They have no idea, no understanding of, of those rules. If those are the three rules of money and you don't understand those three rules, um, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to ever, well, it's going to be impossible if you ever win at the game. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Add Value to Life Coaching. Want to learn the mindset secrets of successful entrepreneurs that have been shared on our podcast? Well, you can get them for free at addvaluemindset.com, addvaluemindset.com. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. To understand those rules, we have to understand how to create money first. Okay, what do I mean by creating it? It's what we talked about earlier. I don't care if you choose what vehicle you choose. It's choosing a vehicle and use that vehicle to get there. You can choose one vehicle, two vehicles. You choose your vehicle and go. That's knowing how to create money. How to keep it is one of the trickiest parts out there. And this is why you find myself included when I got started. I didn't know any better. But, you know, I was five years in a business and I thought at the end of the year my objective was to have my CPA make it where I made no money. And my balance sheet showed that I, I lost money last year in business. So I wouldn't have to pay any taxes. And now I'm winning. Well, really me this, Batman. If your tax return says that you have no money because you spent it all on random deductions, so you, did, you didn't have to pay anything in taxes. How then much money? No money. How much money? Do you, you're still at the same part you started at the beginning of the year. You're still but you won because you beat the IRS. You're playing the wrong game, man. It's the wrong game. But what happens is it gets programmed in our head as an entrepreneur, like, oh, sweet, man, I made this money, and I didn't have to I, – I stuck it to the government. I didn't pay the government any money. Look at me. I right, want to pay tons of taxes. Yeah, the bank statement is <laughs> zero. So understanding how to create it and keep it is, is a big, big difference in life. And when I say keep it, think about this. Um, you talk about keeping money. In class, when I would teach, I'd always give the example. How many of you ever heard the news and, and, and news outlets? It doesn't matter which one. They'll talk about periodically, they'll talk about uh, so and so uh, made X amount of dollars, $100 million, and paid nothing in taxes. And you sit back and you think, wait, what? Or ABC Company, Netflix, 
Netflix, Elon Musk, a couple several years ago, paid no money in federal taxes. It's like, wait, wait, wait. How did how wait Netflix paid no nothing in taxes that year? Well, how how are these companies able to do all this different stuff? Well, here we were sitting there, and I'm like, man, if I make eighty grand in my business, I gotta pay thirty of it, and, and here's this guy making uh, eighty million and paying nothing. When when I started to question that concept of how a lot of that is working is where probably the most of my wealth began to change. Um, and, and right now there's a very popular story that you can go read, Google it right now on uh, PayPal's um, founder, uh, Peter Thiel. And Peter Thiel, uh, you go read the articles, it's all over the internet right now. Uh, the government's actually trying to stop it. Um, thankfully, they didn't pass the bill. Um, uh, they literally just voted on it last last uh, session, and, and it, they uh, uh, did not pass it. But Peter Thiel uh, turned $2,000 investment into over $5 billion of tax-free wealth. Now, when you think about the, the concept of tax-free, I don't think people understand what that freaking means and entails. When you see, if, if I make $1,000 and you make $1,000, but you spend your $1,000, you still have zero. But if I make $1,000 and I keep my $1,000, I have 1000 you have zero. So creating it is not the only step to the game. It's knowing how to create it and keep it. It's knowing how what vehicles the wealth you're using and all their tax strategies to be able to create money and keep uh, as much of it as they possibly can. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, running with a basic CPA that's, that's trying to balance you out at zero. Uh, really quick, we don't have time to go through all these, but there's, there's five – magical tax-free accounts that the government has set up for us as humans. And the majority of humans never, never use them. Um, but in these accounts, I can invest my money. I control it. I invest it. Um, and as I make money back, I can pay nothing in taxes on it now or later. I can pay nothing in taxes. So there's five accounts. There's um, the main account that everybody should get into, if you're especially for an entrepreneur, because in this account, it's the best account out there. And you have to be a um, business owner to even have this account. It's called a solo um, Roth. There's an account called a solo Roth. Um, in that solo Roth, I self-direct, I direct my own money and I invest into crypto. I invest into apartments. I, I own apartments. I own houses inside of my solo Roth. So I don't own them. You ever hear wealthy people say, um, um, own nothing, uh, control everything. This is, this is what they're literally referring to. So I don't own that. My solo Roth does. And, and understand, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, you, my, my LLC owns it. No, because that's not what that means. Go look. I can very quickly go to the Secretary of State's website and pull up your LLC and to find out very quickly that you own the LLC. Therefore, you own it and you control it. In what, what wealth you're talking about is uh, the, in the account of a solo, I actually don't own that house. The literal solo um, owns that house. And the great thing about it or that apartment or that business or whatever it is that I'm in or that crypto and the great part about it is as that um, asset begins to make more money and the income goes back into that solo, I pay nothing in taxes. Therefore, I will make X amount of dollars, a million dollars out of that solo, and I will pay how much in taxes? I will pay zero in taxes. At the end of the year, do I have to hide it from the IRS? Oh, not at all. I, I fully show it to the IRS. Who made the, who made the freaking um, accounts for us? The government. The, the IRS follows what the government it, it says is the law. The government, Congress, Senate passed these years and years ago. We just use them, wealthy people use them to maximize our potential. Again, this is a quick thought I'm going to go back to. So I don't have to explain it all. It, it takes a while. Just go Google Peter, Peter Thiel Roth. 
Um, and you'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. Um, 2000 into 5 billion and pay nothing in taxes ever on that $5 billion. There's the solo, there's the traditional Roth, there's the HSA Roth, there's the uh, Coverdale Roth, and there's what's called a golden Roth. Those are the five tax-free accounts that we can utilize um, to our advantages to uh, create and keep the money that we make. The last thing is protecting it. Protecting it is you have to know, understand that as you get money, um, you're going to get sued. You're in business. It's only a matter of time in the world that we live in. I just had a buddy of mine. He's in New York, and he owns a um, a, like a, uh, a collectible dealership. Like You see that money up there behind me? Those are, I saw old, old money. And uh, he, he, I bought that money from him. He owns a, a old, like collectible, uh, small little dealership and in, in, in downtown New York off of, in Manhattan. And um, someone sued him uh, just last month um, because his website um, was not um, blind friendly. And they sued him. And he's going to pay him money now because his website was not blind friendly. And so the, the blind and, and person sued him. Now, just understand, there's entire organizations that go around and sue companies for exactly that. That wasn't most likely, I don't know the whole story, but most likely that was not a, uh, a blind guy that couldn't see something on the site and then sued him. It's an organization that does this. So it's how they make freaking money is they sue companies on their uh, website not being blind friendly, which is against code, and now the, they get sued. So how to protect your assets is a whole other concept. So the three rules of money, create it, keep it, protect it. You find a wealthy person. I could spend the next, I'm not kidding you, I could spend the next 24 hours straight, nonstop, breaking down all those steps right there into how that actually takes place. I can tell you how the Cook Islands offshore trust work. I can tell you how it's all set up. Why? Because I know how to create it, keep it and protect it. When you understand the levels of money that I'm talking to you about, now you can play the game at a very high pace. Now what happens is the game that I play is money. The game that other people play is vehicles. They play NFTs. I play the game of money. I know the rules at a very, very in-depth high level of it. So can anybody else, but you got to be willing to go learn it. Because I know the rules of money now, I can go do whatever it is, game, business, vehicle that I want to go do and structure it the right way for me to make the most amount of money. These are the rules of money that exist. Hope that gives you a little bit of direction there, Robert. Right. Obviously, that you, you know the value of what you just shared. And so I hope the people listening know the value of what you just shared. And, and, and it really does boil down to know the game that you're playing and find out the rules. <laughs> and and choosing, choosing to play the right game to get the result that you want. But, well, I would say this. I would say, understand we're actually only playing one game. There's only one game that we all play. It's money. Now, we can, if it, if it you know, offends someone that they don't want to say they're playing the money game. I don't walk around telling people I play the money game, but I'm very real with myself. That's the game that I play. Why else would I be in business? Like, it's not a nonprofit. I didn't open a 501c3. I opened up in a capitalistic uh, country. I opened up a business for the purpose to make money. I'm not talking about ripping people off. I'm not talking about gouging people, but I understand that the game is actually money. The vehicle could be whatever you want it to go be, um, but the game is money. What most people miss is they never play the actual game. Mm. They're just tinkering in the garage on a vehicle that will never work. Just like maybe your dad did, my dad did. They but had some old car out there. And they just tinker on it and tinker on it. And it's been there for 12 years, tinker on this car. It ain't going anywhere. 
when they <laughs> pass away, I'll, I'll have to bury him with the car in the, in the, in the gravesite so I get rid of it. And, and, and most people in business is the same thing. They're just tinkering with the car. They're tinkering with the vehicle. They don't understand the game. The game is money. The vehicle can be whatever you want it to be. Hmm. So good. So obviously I think you, you, you agree with this, the, let's talk a little bit about the power of contribution and, and, and its role. Uh, uh, give me contribution. And I can go different ways with it. Tell me what, what you're meaning by when you say the word contribution, give me context around it. Uh, you know, just supporting what you mentioned earlier, um, the, the three F's, right. The, the, you know, family foundation oh, or, okay, yeah. yeah. So contribution, you know, Obviously, the thing outside of you is is the opportunity that, that you create. Um, for me, I always found it fascinating that the church still perpetuates this, you know, the love of money is evil. You know, mm -hmm. money's bad to have around and yes. yet and yet needs to be sustained by givers that the better givers are the ones that make the most money. And, and so we, we create this dynamic that that really long term isn't sustainable. No, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a rabbit trail here with you for a second, and I'll come back to contributions, uh, because I'll speak to the religious side of it for a second. Um, I obviously I grew up in a very religious home. I would still consider myself um, I use the word religious, probably not the right word, um, but uh, even even today. Um, however, what happens is, uh, and all religions are different, but I'm gonna talk about just the one that I was because that's the one that I know because that's the one I grew up in is that, uh, again, money was, uh, they love to use the verse, uh, money is the root of all evil. And, and even if they ever, even if they ever actually get it right and, and say that the love of money is the root of all evil, then dive into the word love and agape love and, and so forth. We could all break in, into that concept. I go deep as you want to go into that concept. But um, what happens is it, it, it presents this idea to a lot of people that grew up in religious homes like this and, and communities and churches um, that almost a sense of, the poorer that I am, <clears throat> the more spiritual I am because um, money is the root of all evil. And so if I have a lot of money, I, I must be an evil person. And it's kind of the connotation of what it gives. And, and it's not tr true at all. It's not what it says at all. But to get off that verse, and I'll talk about another topic here. Two things I'm going to bring up to you. Uh, number one, um, if you actually study in, in the uh, New Testament, Old Testament, um, the number one talked about topic in all of the Bible you know what it is? Money. It's money. Now, and, if you and a lot of and a lot of it's about wealth. Yep. Now, if and now most people when you when when they you tell them that, they're they immediately will argue and say there's no way it was about the Great Commission. No, it wasn't. The number one most talked about concept in the Bible uh, was money. And I want if you are choose to be a religious person and you do believe in God and you do believe that God wrote the Bible. Then you have to ask yourself a, a rational question that said, well, if you believe all that stuff, then why would he take so much time talking about money in the one book he gave you? Because that's what he chose to do. He chose to talk about the number one thing. You, as a follower of Christ, let's say, you choose to ignore that entire concept that he is trying to get to you the most. That, that was the most thing he kept talking about. You choose to deny that, ignore it, and in my opinion, uh, I'm going to, this may come across harsh, but, but I'm going to punch and I had to go through it myself. So this is not something that, that I didn't go through. Um, but, uh, I think a lot of times, um, poor Christians use the verses that we talked about to justify why they're poor. 
they justify why they haven't succeeded. Well, the reason that I haven't, I don't have money is because it's the root of all evil. Okay. Again, I could go into this very deep because I got passionate about this one. I'm going to give you one more, one more thing I want your listeners, if you struggle with this, to go look up. There's a verse in the Bible. I can't think of it right now. It's, it's in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, I can't think of it. I think it's chapter three, uh, chapter three, verse 23. Don't hold me to that, though. But it's in Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's this one little verse that you're going to have trouble with justifying. <laughs> and in that verse, it says, but money answereth all things. Now, in the same book that you're reading, trying to tell me that um, money is not important, it literally says in it, which you're choosing to believe, which, which I believe, don't get me wrong, I believe. It literally says, but money answereth all things. But you don't want money, but it does answer all things. And I'll prove it to you. Uh, you want to solve world hunger? Okay. You know what you need? Money. You want to you take your family on vacation? Okay. You know what you need? Money. You want to retire your mom and dad because you love them? No problem. You're going to need money. You need it. You, you, your, your daughter or son has a heart problem and you got to go to the, the, the best specialist in the world. Okay. You got to have one thing. It's called money. You can go on and on and on. All those things have to do. I, I, I'm big on contribution. I'll shift to that in contribution. I, I work a lot with a guy named Tim Ballard um, and Tim Ballard is um, uh, the founder of OUR operation underground railroad. And um, in it, uh, he, he spent his whole life uh, rescuing uh, uh, women and children from child sex life. And uh, I, I donate money. I have, I, I raise money for him for the cause. And inside of that, um, uh, in that contribution side of it, you know how you, you know how one way you can uh, help stop uh, uh, child uh, sex trafficking, you're going to need one thing. I guarantee you need one thing. It's going to be money. It's a common denominator against all these things is money. So that's my religious spill for you real quick. Contribution. Contribution is the North star. It's the true purpose behind um, money is. Money is what? Money is blank. Put your word there. What does money mean to you? And, and in the word that you gave contribution, you could use the word money as contribution. Um, I use the word influence uh, mm -hmm. based off of my study in, in what I just kind of went through with religion and, and understand that money answers all things. And I can use money. If I had a dollar bill right here and I was showing it to you, I could, this hundred, say it was a hundred dollar bill. Understand. I can use that money for good or bad. The money's neutral. The money has no soul. The money does not know if I'm using money to buy a child so that I can um, commit some of the vilest crimes in the world, or the money does not know if I'm donating that money to the foundation to save that child. Matter of fact, here, I know what I do. I have all this money in my office. It's all over the place. Matter of fact, right here on my desk, this is a $1,000 bill. These are, this is a real, they don't make them anymore. This is a thousand dollar bill used to make in America. This right here is a $500 bill. Uh, they don't make them anymore. I have all this money and old money and so forth all around the room. But this right here, if I can show it to you, this right here is a plaque with money on it. And that money's from uh, Mexico. And this was a uh, $100 uh, bill here that um, I was given by Tim Ballard. Um, and this was the money that I had donated I don't need U.S. dollars. They translate, they uh, convert it when they get down there. And this was the actual uh, one of the hundred dollar bills that they use to rescue these children. And uh, they create sting operations. And then they will use my money and other donors money uh, to, to to pay the bad guys to take all the kids with them. So you talk about contribution, right? What money is that money right there? That hundred dollar bill from Mexico means more than that right there 
which is way more than a thousand dollars. That is worth way more than a thousand. But in that note inside of it, uh, oh, my uh, producer here said it's Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 19. Yeah, that's the, the verse there. And on contribution and, and going to what money is, I say that money is influenced because that was my influence. I chose to use my money to influence the world for good. Money is influence. There is now several children, and, and I don't want to get gruesome here. There are several eight-year-old, nine-year-old, seven-year-old, ten-year-old boys and girls that are not getting raped today because I chose to use my money to influence something for good. You have to understand what you really want money for if you want money. To be successful entrepreneurship, you have to know why you really want to be successful at it because entrepreneurship by itself is hard enough. But when you know the North Star, and I know that I'm going to use my money to influence the world for good, and I know as I make these decisions in business that I'm going to make this, take this money and I'm going to donate it and I'm going to use it to have a nine-year-old boy or girl stop getting raped by some vile creature of a human in this planet who's never experienced love as a child. Now business becomes a lot easier because you understand my North Star. I understand what real money is about. Therefore, when bad times come, tough times come, tough decisions come, those conflicts come, those failures come, it's way easier. It was never about me in the first place. It's about me taking this and giving it to the good of the world that we need. That is what money is for me. Money is influence. So, so. good. That's uh, that's so fantastic. And and thank you for for sharing. For me, the other the other piece of that is is the energy that that creates and and sure. and how that. You know, for some people, money is just that—the piece of paper, right? The reward for for the work, right? The the compensation for you know the the do good, receive you know receive what you deserve, right? We we yeah. hard work you get you get paid, right? Hard work get paid. Those those same kinds of kinds of things. But the truth is, when you when you give and you put that money out, it creates this energy flow that that comes back. Well, I have, I have obviously all the shows I've done. There's been some incredible words given. One of my favorite words uh, for money is, is energy. Money is energy. Um, from the basic concept, understand that for me to make that money that I showed you, I had to expend my energy. So if you understand that money at its core, the dollar simply is representing energy that I used to create it. OK, it, th that could be from a simple standpoint of an hourly job that I was digging this ditch and he told me they pay me eight dollars an hour or whatever it is. I I expanded my human energy, my bodily energy to dig a ditch for an hour. And in return, that eight dollars they gave me represents stored energy of my life. Hmm. That's what that is. It's stored energy. We only use the dollars right now as a way for convenience uh, of of use between people, humans, for interactions. But when someone gives you money, when I donated that money to this cause, what was I really giving them? What was I really giving them? My life. Hmm. I did my life. Because I had to don't I had to give my time, my energy to this, to go get this, so that I could give it, so that someone else could use it to go get the children. 
What was I giving those children? Dollars? No. Dollars is just represents the stored energy of my life that I spent to get it to go save children. Well, and the That's same as taking care of your parents. That's all it you is. Gave, you gave your life to, to your parents in return for, you know, what the value that you felt you received from them. Yep. You know, there's, there's, there's no, uh, you know, uh, having money um, is one thing. Um, having um, joy, or I'll use the word, I'm going to use a better word. I'm going to use the word fulfillment. And, and Robert, this may be one of the best things that we can, that we end with and talk about. As an entrepreneur in life, you can choose one of two things as an entrepreneur. And for many years, I chose the wrong answer. As an entrepreneur, you can choose a life of um, fulfillment or a life of achievements. Those are your two choices as an entrepreneur or as a human, but we're talking about entrepreneurs. Majority of all entrepreneurs out there um, choose a life of achievements. And I did myself for probably the first 10 years entrepreneurship, just not understanding it. With achievements, you'll never get what you actually think is there. Um, what you have to choose is a life of fulfillment. Fulfillment is what you're truly looking for in life. It's not actually achievements. And you see what happens when you choose a life of achievements what you're actually wanting is you're wanting to have the feeling of what it's like to have that achievement. All right. So at a basic level, it's like, well, I want to go on this vacation. I want to have enough money to go. I'm going to make this achievement that I make so much money that I can go to this five-star vacation with my family. I love it. I, I go to them. Okay. But when you, when you are focused on achievements, what happens is what you're really saying is I want to feel, I want to feel the, the love, the joy, the success, the, the, the feelings of, of being able to have that achievement and get to the vacation. Well, but the, when the you challenge, the, the challenge with that is that that's one of those ideas that the success is a destination, right? That there's some place mm -hmm. that you can arrive to. Yep. Cause what happens is I spent the first 10 years chasing a, chasing a goalpost. And every time I thought I got to the goalpost, it moved again. <laughs> it moved again. And how many entrepreneurs have said, man, if I just make my first million, man, when I make my million dollars. And as soon as you make a million, you don't even think about it. You actually will blast through the first million as you get close to it. And you won't even acknowledge it. You won't even take the time to enjoy that you made the, the million because now it's like, oh, it's any 10 million. And then as you get to the 10, it's like, well, oh, I need a million a month of income. And it, the goalpost just keeps changing. And what happens is you're allowing the world to dictate what success is. That's not your definition of success. That will you allow someone else, the world to dictate, well, if you drive this car, that represents success. If you have this house, if you go this thing, if you wear this watch, if you, whatever it is, if you have these things, that's success. But what happens is there's more things than there is money. You'll never run out of things. There's more things and there's new things that come up every day. So every time you have money, there's new things and new things that come up. What entrepreneurs are truly looking for is a life of achievements. I mean, a life of fulfillment. That's what we're looking for is life of what they mostly choose as achievements. What you should be choosing is a life of fulfillment. Fulfillment is not about money, but, but uh, will money come with fulfillment in most entrepreneurs' life? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Because for most people to feel as an entrepreneur, for me to feel fulfilled in life and that I have accomplished my life's purpose, that would have to include money in my life for me to feel, to feel fulfilled. 
So it's not that I'm trying to get you to forsake money or not have money, but I want you to understand that money's not the answer for, for your uh, feeling of success. What's the answer is you choosing a life of fulfillment. I, I got here at my office this morning at uh, uh, 6 a.m. and I go through my morning routine. And in my morning routine, I'm on purposely choosing a life of fulfillment that day. Yeah. I choose a life. Uh, hold on a second. Let me, I'm, I want to get very real with your people. This is my planner. And in my, I built this, I, I used a ton of planners and I eventually said, screw it, I'm gonna build my own. And um, I built my own, very detailed. It's my life of what I do every day. And inside of it, um, I have this thing right here. And every morning I fill this thing out. Let's see if I move over here. Every morning I fill this thing out. And it talks about um, right up here, it says my morning meditation right there. I go through these certain things. And one of the things that it says right here is, how do I want to feel today? Hmm. It does not say how do I want what I want to accomplish today. It does not say what are my goals for the day. The first question I ask myself in the day when I get to work is, at the end of this day, how do I want to feel today? And what happens is when I choose how I want to feel, my subconscious brain will start producing that feeling and those relationships and my thoughts and my movements will drive because that's what I'm telling my body that I want how I want to feel today. Now, if I spent you know what today's word was, Robert? Let me pull up so you know that I'm not lying to you. <laughs> today's word for how I want to feel was that word right there. Is that I word? Almost see it. Loved. Oh, nice. Loved. Today, today I, I when I when I was at the office, we have a we have a um, a party today at our. Um, I actually we got this podcast. Uh, we have a big party for my uh, team, and. And I ask myself the question every day, how do I want to feel? I think through the day and I, I, I go with my heart or my gut of whatever word it comes up, pukes out of me is the word I go with. And as, as I said today, how do I want to feel? I thought about my team, my staff at the party. And I said, I want to feel loved today. Hmm. Therefore, if I end today and I feel loved, will I live a life of fulfillment? If you lived a life and every you felt love, you'd, you'd, you'd be fulfilled. Absolutely. I choose over achievements and that Absolutely. my, my word changes every day, every day it wow. changes to whatever, however I want to feel that day. I don't allow money or achievements to dictate my, my feeling as a human. My self-worth is dictated, controlled by me today. I feel loved. I love that. I that Yeah. So good. I mean, it brings it back to the journey, right? Because it really is. If you're not finding enjoyment in the journey, then you're on the wrong route. <laughs> and, and you need to choose route. a different well, I can tell you, if you're not if you're not loving and to the greatest moments of loving the journey, you're choosing achievements. Achievements has nothing to do with the journey. Achievements is the exact opposite. Achievement says, screw the journey. I'll take every shortcut I can possibly get, and I just want to get to the end goal so I can have this house and this car. All those things will go away. They actually won't give you what you're thinking of. Um, choosing a life of fulfillment is where you can you focus on what you said, the journey. And every day, my life is about me enjoying today. Uh, I, I lived many years as an entrepreneur, always about the future. And I always find myself saying, well, once I hit here, I'm going to do this. Once I make this amount of money, I'm going to do this. Once I achieve, I'm going to do this. And what happened? Ten years later, I was still saying the same thing. I was still saying, well, once I get here, now once I do this. What's getting that? That's getting the haves. That's getting the haves before the bees. <laughs> so I love it, man. I, I love entrepreneurs. My heart is my heart is uh, surrounded by entrepreneurs. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a born entrepreneur. It chose me, and 
and uh, I struggle with many, many, many things. And if I could do anything to help entrepreneurs, this is what I want to do, man. I, I love it. Well, you've dropped a ton of, a ton of, a ton of wisdom that if anybody takes action on just one or two things, they're going to change their life. And so I appreciate that. But I always ask at the end, just, you know, you're sitting across from an entrepreneur. You've just had this great conversation over, over coffee and, and you're going to leave them with AC's words of wisdom. Well, I've had many cups of coffee with many entrepreneurs. <laughs> um, and man, I, I'd probably tell you it's what I just talked about. I mean, I could talk to you about money and the accounts, which are so incredible. Um, but I think if I give entrepreneurs one piece of advice, it would, it would, it would be that it would be, I promise if you can take the time to choose fulfillment, you'll actually get what you're looking for. What, what you're, where you're at now is a mirage. It doesn't exist. It's, it's not there. How many, how many wealthy people do you know that are freaking miserable in life? <laughs> Choosing a life of fulfillment will actually get you what you're looking for. I would give you that piece of advice and understand what that truly means and, and study, study, study on that concept. And the, the, the last piece that I could give you would be what I said before that, which is know what you're really, who you really are, meaning my North star of contribution. I know what that is. I, I, I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I understand what it does, how it works. I, I, and because I know that it allows me to make decisions based off of that. I don't make decisions every day based off of, how does this affect necessarily this part of the business or this part of the business? Or if we do this, I try to make decisions based off of if we do this, how much money, how much time, how, how this affect uh, my in purpose in life, which is right now. And it could change, but right now it, this is it, man. I'm, I'm all in on it um, because I'm passionate about it. Um, I would say, if you know those two things, if you know who you truly are, what your North star is. And number two, if you uh, live a life of uh, choose, choose every day, a life of fulfillment. Uh, it'll get you to North Star as well. That's probably the best advice I could give you right now as an entrepreneur. Nice. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely love it, man. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com In our next episode, Lisa Wilbur is an amazing network marketer who shares some great stories about growing her business to the number five Avon money earner in the world. She just watched what other companies were doing for marketing and was willing to try it. She never wanted to go door to door, and she didn't open up a store. And her top-selling product isn't even makeup.